Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. (laughs) And I'm Grace Duffy. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on the world of social media. Today we're joined by Diana Gladney. And we're going to talk about live video trends and updates that you need to know about to grow your business. We're going to be chatting about the state of virtual events, how to make the most of them to grow your brand, your expertise, and your network. And we're going to talk about how to use live video to sell your products and services online and why live video is here to stay and how you can uh, hopefully get comfortable with it. So, Diana, so glad that you're here. How are you doing today? Excited you can join us. I'm doing fantastic. Any day you have a good hot cup of coffee is a fantastic day. So it's a fantastic day. I have a hot pot that I've already consumed, so that's why I'm a little okay. today. So anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> Chris Stone is here. He says Grace got her mic rocking today. I guess that's an insult. You know, joke. Chris. You know it's been a <laughs> yeah, struggle. Like it it's has been, been. You would think you think I would do this. I did this for a living or something, right? That's like, right. <laughs> She has got it down. So um, let me give you an introduction of Diana, because if you don't know who Diana Gladney is, she helps simplify simplify video creation for busy entrepreneurs. She's she teaches them how to use video to amplify their brands and grow their businesses. She takes this seemingly complicated topic of video marketing and tech and makes it simple and easy to understand and use. She's carved her unique path to become one of the most successful most sought after video content strategist in the business. So Diana, I don't, I don't don't know if you know this or not, but when I was upgrading my camera, I did a search for how to get the Canon M50 to work and you came up and that's how I was first introduced to you. And that's actually what I'm using today. So you helped the show. You didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. You know, I knew I was pivotal to the show. I knew That's it. Right. No, That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly you right. You are pivotal to the show in many ways. <laughs> and I want to tell you, your team is probably the most professional. Amazing. They sent this complete bio as soon as we booked you on the show. They're like, here's our bio. Here's everything you need to know. And I want to talk about some of these YouTube stats shared in there. You have a channel with one point twenty three million views and 14.4 thousand subscribers. I'm reading that because I want to make sure I got those numbers right. And you did this over the span of like five years, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Can you tell the people that may not may, may be meeting you for the first time today? How did you get started in live video? What is your story? Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much. I will definitely let the team know it's such an honor. I'm glad that, that you were treated well. Uh, so that's always a bonus. Um, how I got started in video was honestly very reluctantly. I'm not the person that enjoyed being on camera. I would just switch out the same like seven photos across like the last four years on Facebook. Like, I bet you didn't see this one yet. So <laughs> it was not something like I was super interested in doing, but it was something that my business coach actually challenged me to do. And when I first hired him, he was like, "Okay, you need to be visible using video. And I'm like, "Okay, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I need you to take your phone, go record a 60 to 90 second video. And I also want you to start getting comfortable with doing live video. And I'm like, clearly you haven't seen I'm rotating like the same seven photos on Facebook for the profile. No new photos ever, but just those same seven. He's like, yeah, need to change that. I'm like, "Okay." Went, walked around the house trying to like figure out the angle and all this stuff. And it sucked and getting so hot and sweaty. It's like 90 degrees, a thousand percent humidity outside. Finally sit in the car and uh, do a video. Got the Whitney Houston lip sweat thing going. It is horrible. 
And I did the video and I was like, you know what? It's not, it wasn't that bad when I watched it back. And then I uh, first went live on Facebook and it looked terrible. It's like lime green. The lighting was wrong or just like everything was wrong. I'll put it that way. I can't even pick every little thing from the audio, video and the lighting was all terrible. But it looked lime green. I kid you not. <laughs> but it's like I went to work that next day and one of the coworkers had saw it. And I was just like, it sucked. It's super embarrassing. And I was an older lady. She's like, you did great. And I was like, no, it sucked. And I need to quit. And she's like, don't quit. She was like, you got too much in you and too much going on to quit. She's like, just keep, keep going. And I never will forget that. So it was between uh, that woman, which her name was Miss Deborah and my business coach that really helped like to keep it going. Cause it absolutely sucked in the beginning. And I was not like comfortable or wanting to go live. So, but that's how I got started. That's, That's awesome. awesome. We owe a debt of gratitude to Miss Deborah and your business mm-hmm. coach. And as we can see in the comments, uh, they are responsible and invertedly for a lot of <laughs> right. very expensive camera purchases. <laughs> I wanted to bring that. I wanted to bring that up because uh, first of all, we got Sabrina who shows up every week. She is awesome, Sabrina. Thank you so much. Happy Friday, it's me, Sabrina. Happy Friday, Sabrina. It's me, Jeff. Right back at you. Uh, and Ian is saying, oh, this is going to be a big treat. Uh, so our pal Ian Anderson Gray is in the house, too. Uh, and he's the one who said we can blame Diana for all our camera purchases. <laughs> yes, not just cameras, a lot of other things as well. Um, a lot of things. Chris says, things. Chris says Diana is also responsible for me leveling up a lot of my gear. Her videos are amazing. And uh, and just by this intro, we've already talked about uh, Ian says I love uh, Diana videos because she's real and authentic and shares so much valuable stuff a great point by martins he goes um video is a key element and sharing my deep executive career management and advancing my business we're going to get in all to, to that today um martin especially especially for people who may be on the fence about you know using video and live video for mm-hmm. growing their business so we're going to talk all about that but i want to do a uh, first, a big shout out to our friends over at Ecamm. They have this amazing conference coming up called Leap Into Live Streaming Bootcamp. And you can find out more about that at leapintolive.com. And you can see right there, look at that. Diana is a keynote speaker. Um, she is right up there with Pat Flynn and this other bearded guy. I'm not a keynote speaker. I'm just, you know, they just let, left the door open and I walked right in. Um, but go ch- I mean, it's amazing. It's a free event. It starts September 13th through 16th. Um, they do have some upgraded options if you would like to check those out, but it is free. So go register to that at Leap Into Live. I know Diana always gives great information. Like I said, a lot of us here have uh, spent a lot of money because we see the value of live video, what it can do for our business, and we have followed her advice. So leapintolive.com, go and check that out. So first segment grace we're going to be talking about virtual events and live video learning so yeah take us good away good segue. Yeah. segue jeff <laughs> so Perfect. we have been inundated with virtual events over this past year and they but they certainly aren't new i remember blog her 2007 2008 being in second life and that being like oh you know that being just rocking our world right and but over the last year you know we obviously technology's leveled up our confidence on live video is leveled up and it's become pretty much mandatory to be doing things virtually. And, you know, there are some fun things that we miss out from the in-person events, like being all together in a room, but virtual events have lowered a lot of barriers to attending. You don't have to travel. It saves time and energy. You don't, you know, you can consume the content on demand so you can multitask and slot it in with the rest of your day. And, in many ways, it's more convenient than in-person events, as much as as much as we do enjoy being in person. But it does require a different approach. Now, people are starting to have more of these. Um, you know, people are starting to have in-person events, but virtual is still a big deal. Obviously, leap into live, which we're all very excited about next uh, starting next week, right? Um, it is next week, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I believe okay. so. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think we mentioned that. I was just like, it is next week. Sorry. And so, um, you know, brands are, if for example, Ecamm brands are like stepping in and creating their own events, just like our friends over at Ecamm. I know Agora Pauls and Thinkific has been doing it for a while. And, you know, brands aren't waiting around to sponsor like waiting around for conference organizers to plan something for them to sponsor. And the cool thing is with this being virtual, anyone can do it, but can they all do it well? <laughs> so my first question to you is, tell us what makes 
for a very successful virtual conference experience from a brand perspective, from a brand wanting to create their own event or around their own content or something that they want to do even for their own fans, followers, customers, whoever. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely spoken a lot and I've attended a lot. And if you're going to host your own event as a brand, the things you need to be looking forward is efficiencies and organizations. Those need to be your two best friends throughout your whole thing, because we only think about what we want to do, essentially like what we want to share, who we would like to have a, attend or be there with us to, you know, maybe bring up the quality a little bit or have certain speakers, all that great stuff. Okay, that's a given and that's like by default, you're gonna get some of those different elements, but that doesn't make it a good thing. It's what you wanna make it painless for people to attend, knowing that the ways that they plan to join via phone, tablet, TV, or their computer, most only think most people would sit at a desk or at their computer and it's like, no, you really need to think about the efficiencies and the organization to make sure is the website or the different pages optimized for mobile, as well as mobile also including the tablet. And then that's vertical as well as horizontal. And not just thinking about people are going to attend this from their computer in a home office setting space like this, but they very well may be watching this on their television. Most of your data and analytics will tell you exactly people how people are consuming your content, even just for your regular YouTube videos and things like that. That'll give you some insight. The other thing is organization. A lot of times they'll miss it where... The attendees have to keep asking and refiguring out where do I go to watch, where do I go to engage, where do I go for community, instead of having all of that stuff laid out and segmented out of how the attendees can join, where they can find stuff, and having a hub or a portal that is not confusing. That's a huge, huge, big thing because a lot of people get confused very easily and feel like they're going to miss out on something, whether it's paid or free. And then the other half of that is for the speakers where do they go for their speaker side and if they're just going to view and attend a session where do they go and how do they do that so you need to think about all of those different elements so from an organization standpoint and efficiencies those are huge because that can save your team a ton of time and just even you the organizer and even if you're just doing this on like a small scale if i decided i wanted to do one the same rules apply and I don't mm -hmm. care how big or small it is same rules apply because you want something that's scalable and that you can you know, divvy off certain tasks to certain people and know that they are not just getting a task or a role, but they're getting efficiencies in a system to implement. So let's talk about, because I know uh, one, we all are nerds here and we like tech. Um, so can you break down what a brand would need to host? And I guess a brand could be yourself as well, host a mm -hmm. virtual event from like a tech or a video pers uh, perspective. What kind of like cameras do they need? Do they need to go buy out this? You know, there's so, so many types of like virtual conference software that's sure. out there now. Do you have one that you prefer or some just some basic tech set setup that you need to have before you get started? Yeah, I, I think it, that is dependent on the vision. What's the vision for what you're trying to do? Obviously, I can easily say, you know, get Ecamm, but okay, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to have something where you need to bring multiple people or you want like a grid of people behind you or in front of you or whatever? So it really depends on the vision. At a basic setup, if you're just going to be two camera presenting, then honestly, you could do that with something with your website. Uh, whether that's an unlisted video or you're using something where you have a you know dedicated integration for that, that's fine. Uh, if you use Zoom, cool. But the technical side of things, again, it really is dependent on the vision because you need to think about not purging individual things, but what does the audio system look like? What does the video system look like? It's easy to say, just get this brand model specific, whatever, but that may not be conducive to everyone's vision for what they're trying to do. But I think at a basic level, you're looking at something with a mirrorless camera that has clean HDMI out, which means you can take an HDMI cable, connect that to your camera, use something like an ATEM Mini or an Elgato Cam Link to transfer that data from the camera to your computer so that it can see that image. I do recommend using Ecamm Live, and I honestly recommend even going to the extent, even if you are a PC user, to go ahead and get something like the Mac Mini, those M1s that just came out, because they're fantastic, they're fast, and you want to think like two is one and one is none, which means if you only have one camera source and that camera goes down, that goes away. So if you want two camera sources, you need to double up, and you can do things like renting. That does not mean you have to buy. You can rent. Uh, I usually use Lens Rentals and recommend them. Um, they're really, really great, and they make sure you get everything you need in the box. 
So you can rent for something like $100, $130 for like a week or more, depending on the gear. So you can rent out these tools at a very minimal cost. So again, two is one, one is none. We're talking about HDMI cables, capture cards, whatever it is that you need to transfer that data. Now, when you're talking about software, um, again, I do recommend Ecamm Live simply because you can have it branded. It's going to be recorded locally, which that Mac Mini can handle. And I've even done this with a 2016 MacBook Pro. Now, I'm not saying everybody do that, but I have done it with four cameras and those cameras recording internally and live streaming and no problems. You know, so if you have something like that, cool. But again, two is one, one is none. Now, audio same part, same principles. Mm-hmm. What are, what is the setup going to be for the speakers? Are they going to be standing? Do they need a wireless microphone? Because now you need to be thinking about testing their audio for the individual voices. And I love to do cheat sheet, cheat sheets. So that means if I have speaker a, they have a very strong bravado, very strong kind of a voice. I need to know exactly what their numbers are. So I may say your number is 14. Like if anything we touch for you, if that's your perfect number for your perfect audio, 14 is the go. So if I hand that off to somebody and it sees that it's at 12 because somebody else was using it before, we now need to go and reset back to 14 for you. So I like to do what's called like presets for the audio for each individual speaker. If it's just you, you still need to know your number. I know my number is 67% on my computer strength for the audio, and it's going to be at half or 50% on my Rodecaster Pro for me to have consistent audio no matter where I am. So it's mm-hmm. always going to be like systems. The microphone, if you have something like this cool, if it's going to be sit, you know, sit down, something like a Rodecaster Pro, a pod mic or whatever will let you record internally for as long as you have the power connected and things like that and recording with the memory card, and you're fantastic. I've done was it like 12 plus hours of something like that? Mm-hmm. And it went off without a hitch using the Rodecaster Pro. So at a base level, stuff like that, the more advanced that you're trying to do, then, you know, now we need to look at what does that system look like? So I like to use Ecamm just simply because I can integrate it with anything of what I'm trying to do. I don't have to worry about uh, some of the limitations that maybe other programs may have because right. it maybe only is kind of for streaming or maybe it'll lose a signal. I always have that local recording and things like that. And I don't necessarily have to be live to use Ecamm or integrate that even with Zoom, still have this branded look similar to like this show and stuff like that. Awesome. So I wanted to come back with a couple of points uh, on this is one, I loved your idea of having backups because that has saved my bacon more than once. In fact, I, you know, I used, you know, everybody was talking about AirPods when they first came out. I never use Bluetooth monitors because I've had them crash in the middle of a live video and then you can't hear anything. So I love these. These are like the MEEs, like studio. Yep. they're super cheap. They're like 15 bucks, but yep. I have a, a, another pair because I'm always backing up over my chair with them and I've broken mm-hmm. some cords and I have <laughs> yep. one sitting right over there that I could grab if I need to, because, you mm-hmm. know, hearing your guests is kind of important. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, um, when should somebody look at, like if they're a brand or even an individual who's, you know, put all this time and effort and they're doing a launch or they're doing a virtual conference, when do they need to start looking at like something as like a remote producer, like something you have done, like you were talking about earlier, when is the time to like looking at like, well, who can I offload some of the camera switching, getting setting up and I can be the mm-hmm. host and just, just be, just do my thing. Yeah, I think after you've at least done some solo live streams, so you don't need to have done some kind of completely out of your comfort zone live stream show, but you do, I do suggest that you have gone live before, at least at a very basic minimal setup, like again, mirrorless camera, capture card, computer, microphone, the whole, whole, whole deal there mm-hmm. have done that before at least a couple times because you will then see if some stuff that i can't tell you like you literally have to experience like you said with the right. headphones you yeah. think oh 15 these are fine blah 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 you didn't expect to roll over the cable but now you know right. i need a backup so things like that that'll help you know like i ran into this problem before i had this issue before blah 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 so when you do hire a remote producer like maybe let's say you've done three four five live streams before on a regular and consistent basis not like over once every six months kind of a deal, because that's not consistent enough to know or have any experience to, you know, where it's frustrating or you find those those key points that need to be altered. So when you hire somebody, you can come in with, instead of just pointing at somebody else's show and saying, I want it to look like that. You can say, here's what I've done. 
here's the problems that I've run into and here are things that I do not like. And here's what I hope to have happen based on this. And yes, based on this other show's model, I would like to integrate X, Y, and Z elements into what I'm doing. That's a much better process. And honestly, it's a much better way to help the remote producer actually fulfill what you're asking them to do. Because what happens is, and I hear this from a lot of colleagues that are in the business and that is their full-time gig. It is the day of the thing. And they're like, well, where's this? And where's that? And all of these, Mm -hmm. you know, expectations that were up in the air that never were verbalized or put into the contract. So if you're going to hire a remote producer, at least have done some solo live streams. So you got your, your feet wet, you're in the game at least. So when you do hire and this something you should offload because it's not something you want to undertake if you're not familiar, because even having done a tremendous amount, I think it, I, I, had, I know I'm well over her several hundred like live streams, just solo live stream shows. It still is work. So <laughs> let alone if you are new, new, like five, six live streams is still new. So you don't want to have to do all this stuff yourself. So if you're going to hire somebody, at least come in with a clearer pl- plan than just pointing to somebody else's show. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I want to bring up some comments really quick. Um, Ian says uh, he really loves the idea of the indiv- individual speaker presets. Really, really smart. And he yeah. also says bacon, ha- backups have saved his vegetarian bacon on many occasions <laughs> too. I've had that vegetarian, that's not bacon, Ian, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not. Um, well, when Diana was talking, I was looking around my space here at like how many sets of headphones I have like ready to plug in in case something mm-hmm. goes wrong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> second cameras around me (laughs) so i want to make you mentioned a little bit ago you talked about having cheat sheets and i want to make sure people Mm -hmm. know that if they go to dianagladney.com that you have a great live video cheat sheet uh, kind of the getting started Mm -hmm. there as well so that's a great resource on her website that's dianagladney.com for you guys listening on the podcast um so make sure you check that out because it's a really really well done well thought out you know, I got my camera from Diana that I use the Canon M50 that we're, we're using right now and her setup for that. So, uh, Grace, I know you had some really interesting stats that you found from Bizabone. Yeah. yeah. So talk about so, that. Um, yeah. So uh, one interesting stat from our friends over at Bizabo is that 80 percent of successful virtual events are free. So free is lower that barrier. It's become the standard. You know, I, I know that Leap into Live is free to register, um, but engagement remains a challenge. So another study, a study, excuse me, gathered uh, respondents um, r- responses from 400 event marketers, and 68 percent of them believe that the greatest challenge for virtual event marketers, I am one of them, <laughs> is to get and keep attendees engage through your virtual event. And to combat this, uh, more than half of them have said that they've tried to make them more interactive. They've tried to limit events to smaller audiences, smaller setups, smaller lineups, whatever, or they've allowed attendees, they've made it possible for attendees to network with each other outside of the presentations, but still don't talk in class, apparently. <laughs> so how do you keep attendees engaged and inner active when you're doing a live video presentation or webinar. Now we're here live and we're seeing the comments and we can interact with them and bring them up. But sometimes when you're doing these live presentations, it's just you talking to a camera and you don't see the audience because of whatever setup you're on, or you see the audience, but you can't really interact with them or there's no Q and a set up. So tell us what are some of the situation, what are some of the ways that you've learned to keep people engaged and interactive while you're presenting while other people are presenting? Well, to be honest with you, I will, if I'm the speaker, I will ask the organizer how accessible is the community to me during the Mm -hmm. presentation, because I do want to have interaction. Now I get how they traditionally will want stuff, but I also know how I teach and how, if somebody is learning from me, how I'm best going to help them digest that information. Because what most of these events are doing is taking a big old pot roast and stuffing it down people's throat (laughs) and wondering why are you choking? And so it's like, yeah, I would like for them to use those, uh, those teeth that they have in the front side and the rear and, you know, help, help it get down with here's a glass of water and stuff like that. So what I will do is ask, what is the norm and how is this supposed to run and what permissions I have to alter this? Because what I'll do 
is in my presentation, there are breaks for you to take notes. There's breaks for questions. And even if I can't actively answer those, I still make them actively put that into the chat so that I can go back through and pull those. And if I can't pull those up in real time or address those at that moment, or depending on what system we're using and how it's working, then fine. I still want them to put their active questions in the chat in real time, because what happens is instead of asking them to wait until the end, you forgot what the question was, or you've moved on to the next question that is popping up in your brain as we've moved through the presentation. And so what I'll do is uh, if I'm allowed to, I'll have music where I built into my Rodecaster Pro, like a sh like same way I do a stream mix, a live stream mm -hmm. mix. Um, I'll do a teaching mix. So it's music that's timed um, and I can start playing it and we're good to go. I'll increase it and then I'll decrease it. Like, okay, we got 10 more seconds. So it makes you think on the fly. Like you have to get this out. Think of something. If I say, give me what you want your next microphone or your next audio to sound like, what don't you like? Find something. You got 30 seconds that makes you have to answer a question that also drives engagement. And you get the me too factor in a positive way to where people are saying, oh yeah, I also have to deal with this. Or my kids are allowed, me too. Like, how do you deal with that? And now that it drives engagement. Now I can continue my presentation, but by the time I get to the end, now we can go back, revisit some of those things, or they may have gotten an idea from somebody in the chat. So that's one of the things as far as a, a organizer is concerned uh, and, and like me as an attendee for an event, it's optional in the sense that it's not that big of a deal if I come or if I don't. And that's a problem because that means the the organization has made this too generalized. And so anytime mm. you're doing an event and it's too general, then it's like, I could go to Walmart or I could go to Target, but everybody loves to go to Chick-fil-A. Even though it's like the same stuff, it's not a whole bunch more added to the menu. You know exactly what you're gonna, it's a niche experience. So if you're gonna do an event as an attendee, even if it's certain days, I would rather see attendees uh, be able to attend niche days so that they know, like, I cannot miss, like, video day is on Monday. Like, everything video, I need to go. Audio stuff, maybe I'm not struggling with that, so that's fine. So now you can more directly say what is happening or going wrong versus ass assuming that a speaker sucked because <laughs> they didn't get a whole bunch of attendees. It's like, maybe they were just stressed the hell out after they got out of this one roast stuffing session you know that was great they just couldn't digest it yeah i think that's great all this talk about food though i'm telling you <laughs> it's always before lunch and even online video mastery says uh love that post pot roast metaphor don't choke people with your live content so um oh and, and sabrina yeah, thanks sabrina for doing this. simplify your video content strategy to amplify your brand is a thing over on uh, diana gladney's site that uh, she shared with us thank you so much uh, sabrina for that um one of the questions so we talked about virtual events i want to go back to when you're training like you on your channel, your live video mm -hmm. content. One of my favorite uh, guys to watch, and I watch him every Saturday, is Nick Nimmin. He does a great job of, of helping people with their YouTube. And mm -hmm. he's got like 300, 500 people watching every Saturday a live video. So mm -hmm. what I want to ask you is like, how do you... Um, how do you engage with your live video audience when you're teaching? Uh, I know Luria Petrucci talks about having different places where she stops and brings up comments or questions. Um, are you looking at how much they're talking to one another to see if they're getting the point you're trying to make? How, how do you do your live videos when you're just teaching like on your stream, like on your YouTube channel um, and not event? What are you looking for for engagement? So uh, the one thing to note is like you can train your audience to operate in a certain way or to have like a certain culture when you're live. And so knowing that I'm going over technical things, I'm going over areas of frustration or things that people are you know struggling with, they're really going to want to focus in those specific segments. And so I'll like if I'm doing just like a Q&A or maybe we're answering questions or something mm -hmm. like that, then if I know I'm covering something very specific or I'm going through the details for what do the numbers mean on a lens kind of a deal, you're already confused about that. If I keep stopping to go and answer this person's question and then I go back and I was like, OK, now where were we? That's breaking the flow. And it's not really helping you to fully get clarity and have that click when I'm explaining something. So I'll go through and I will let them know, feel free to go through 
in the chat. And again, actively drop your questions. I'm absolutely going to answer them, but I want to make sure that you guys get that. And if you're watching this on the replay, go ahead and uh, with this time, part will be timestamped. So if you just need this segment, then you'll have this uninterrupted and then I'll dive in. That's giving the people that are live knowing that if I don't talk to you for like two minutes, I haven't forgotten about you. And I told you I'm going to come back and answer the questions. So I have a track record of answering my questions in a live stream. So they know that to, tr to trust that. And then the other thing is for the replay viewers. So I'm addressing both audiences at the same time. The replay viewers know that even though you missed it live, that's fine. You can see the questions as they come up in the chat replay. But if you only just need to watch it, you don't need to engage or whatever, you're still well fed here just by watching this specific segment. And so I'll rotate in doing different uh, segments and then audience engagement segments and audience engagement. And that's fantastic. Also, when you're looking at it from an entrepreneur's perspective, because you can repurpose that content mm -hmm. and you didn't stop to say, hey, Susan, hey, Billy, hey, Katrina, good to see you in the middle of a good tip or something because you lost them. So it's just really about understanding how your audience learns and how you teach and where are you messing them up as the educator because you keep stopping to think like, oh man, they're gonna get mad at me. No, I just told you, I like, hold on for two <laughs> seconds. I got you, don't worry about it. So after you do so much of that, they trust you. Yeah, one of the things, and Owen says, uh, thanks Owen for stopping by. Yeah, he says, Diana, uh, Diana is fire. Uh, People watch the replay, you know, optimizing for replay, which you just talked about, and mm -hmm. segments are huge. One of the things that, and this has come just from Grace and I have done so many live videos, we, we always have a ton of questions, but a, a trick that we have learned is that we look ahead, and if somebody in our audience has asked a question that we were going to ask anyway, I'll pull up their mm -hmm. comment. Because even though I was going to ask it anyway, being able to interact with the, the audience and sh saying, like, that's their question, even though I was going to mm -hmm. ask it before that mm -hmm. fits in your flow. And you talked all about that flow that you have going down there. Being able to do that, I think works really well also. And it makes you look really good to your audience uh, at the same 100%. time. Yeah. So Don't Grace. Don't tell them all our secrets. I know. Sorry. I just, I had to. <laughs> Owen was in here and I was trying to impress him. So that was why. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. We, we got all nervous when Owen was here. I know. Everybody's straightened up. That's right. Oh yeah. We're setting up straight, combing our yeah. hair. Yeah. So we promise we're going to talk about virtual events as a way of networking. Now, of course, when you're in person, you were so accustomed to that. Like you meet up the, the happy hour, you meet up at the hotel bar, you meet up, you know, like you're seeing each other in person. But how can attendees of these virtual events make the most of their experience, knowing also that they are very likely at home or wherever they usually are and probably still doing the things that they're normally doing while attending your virtual events? events because again one of the one of the things that makes it really easier is that you don't have to travel you can be where you are so how can attendees make the most of their time and to network with virtual through these virtual events as an attendee for sure like you have to one on the organizer side let them know how and the where and like if you have footage from last year snippets matter like find the smiling the hysterical laughing even if you're talking about like white chocolate versus dark chocolate which is something i always throw in in there because it gets everybody riled up and i'll say dark chocolate is the worst chocolate in the world and people are like i can't believe and everybody starts cracking up laughing that's a snippet you don't need no audio needed just a snippet of the laughter and it's like here's what you're missing when you're not in the hallway, the digital hallway. Here's what you're missing when you're not in the Facebook group. Here's what we're doing because it makes it something that's super desirable. So you wanna make sure that your attendees are making time to attend it. It can't feel optional or like no big deal if I miss it. Like you need to feel bad when you don't like, <laughs> not to like right. put them into like depression, but like, right. but it's like, dang, I'm missing it. Like you need to have that fear of missing out because you actually are missing out. And so as an attendee, it's like, you need to also set a goal for why are you even attending this event? What are you hoping to get out of it? If you have a hope and a desire, like I wanna leave knowing exactly all the things I need to buy for a live stream, feeling confident enough to execute on that live stream. And number three, knowing what to do with that information or that live stream afterwards versus just feeling like I gotta throw it all away and it was one and done and it's over with. So it's like, those may be your three deliverables with the thing. That's how you know what, what events to attend, but that also lets you know who you wanna talk to that's 
in the room, that's in the hallway, that's in the Facebook group and stuff like that. So it's a it's a little bit of both from the attendee side, because otherwise you don't want to join because you feel like you're going to waste your time and everybody's going to be plugging their deal like Clubhouse was at the beginning. <laughs> early stages, it's like a little bit about me. Here's my when I first was born. I didn't know I was born. It's just like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> stuff like that matters. And you just have to not give them the fear of missing out. But literally, here is what you are actually missing out on. Awesome. So do you have any uh, good uh, or cool ways, maybe some examples to use live video to network with with, with people? Because, you know, I've been to a lot of events and a lot of them are the content is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And I see software that's happening that helps facil- facilitate network- networking a little bit easier. But do you have any other cool ways that you have used maybe some hacks or some tricks to use live video to actually aid in networking with people? Yeah, I love to take stuff that has nothing to do with nothing because everybody comes in with a suit and digital suit and tie on and everybody feels stressed. They don't know how to really talk to each other because you can't feel any energy rather, but you have to curate that energy in the room. So maybe if you have a guide, that's always helpful if you have like breakout rooms or breakout mm-hmm. sessions or Facebook, like have some kind of music that's fun. I'm not like the the person that's going to dance on screen and all that. I love Luria for that. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to throw her in the room next to me. It's like, I'm not dancing, Luria, but I'll put you up there. So. Right. You know, it's like, that's super fun. And so it's like, oh, okay. It lets them know. And it kind of takes them, lets them take their shield down to say, okay, cool. It's not like, I feel like I'm in an interview. And then I like to throw in other things that have nothing to do with nothing. And that's usually my grape jelly versus strawberry jelly. And I'll tell them like, well, only strawberry jelly is on the buffet in heaven. And so (laughs) it's like, or, you know, dark chocolate versus white chocolate. And that gets a rile out of everybody. And then we can go into, so icebreakers shouldn't just be icebreakers, but points like I get to know something about you versus just like, oh, tell me about your favorite food versus saying, I'm giving you a polarizing something. So still using like psychology elements mixed with personality elements. So you really get to know what people are. And it's like, well, where are you from? Where I wear, may wear a Cardinal shirt or something like that. And it's like, oh, go cards and screw the cubs. So, you know, it's like stuff like <laughs> right. that, literally polarizing things. But you'll learn a little bit about me. I'll learn a little bit about you so that the networking is really about now developing community building instead of like, here's my business card. It's like, let's hang out on Instagram or when you go live, let me know. I'd love to come hang out with you kind of a stuff. Mm, I think those are great. So um, one of the things that, um, well, all of a sudden I can't switch my camera back. So we're going to stick with uh, Diana here. Let's see what's going on here. Uh, There we go. Oh, we're just going crazy. So there we go. Hey, this is live video, folks. That's why you 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 have these experts it's the on. Name of the game. Uh, that's right. So, um, one of the things we we just talked about, you know, how to network. But one of the cool things now we're talking about this virtual learning. LinkedIn has added uh, this new live streaming events for the LinkedIn learning platform. So our friends over at Social Media Today they reported that LinkedIn's learning platform has seen this increased demand, providing a direct avenue to some professional skills development, and it's going to go with these job listings on the platform. We talked with Vivica von Rosen a, a few weeks ago about this great resignation that everybody seems to either be switching jobs or starting their own thing, and how mm-hmm. to actually make your prof- your LinkedIn profile you know kind of reflect that. So we're seeing a ton of upheaval in the job market with people that are either looking for their next gig or leaving their gig to do something else. So um, this new thing is you're going to be on LinkedIn learning. It's going to help up their skills. They've added this new element to, you know, cater to remote workers while providing more support and personalization. And they launched this uh, capacity for LinkedIn learning instructors to host live events on the platform with this feature called office hours. So have, do you do much stuff over on LinkedIn? We're seeing a lot of uh, engagement over LinkedIn. Have you checked out any of these new streaming events on LinkedIn? If so, what do you think about them? I've seen some and my team and I were trying to get more of a focus onto it and just kind of find like that right platform to help mm-hmm. integrate some of our content strategy over there. But from what I've seen, it still is like a very much hesitation between corporate and creators. Right. And they're trying to introduce creators to more of that corporate vibe. And it's kind of like, I don't know. So it's, it's about, I think most of that I've seen some and I've registered for some and it's just, again, it's just that weird kind of a mix. I think what's going to be important there is culture development. So even if somebody is hosting an event there, it's like really understanding culture development there. If you are doing something that's more creator esque focus, 
then, you know, understanding where are these people coming from when they actually attend. And if you're coming from a, a more of a corporate perspective, again, understanding where your people coming from and what are they hoping to achieve? Because it can go both ways. So and from what I just seen on as far as LinkedIn, yes, like, yeah, the engagement is high, but it's like, where are they going and what are the next steps? I think that's going to be huge mm. for that that information. Mm. Interesting. So <laughs> Owen goes, thanks, Owen, for pointing that out. Jeff Buttersinger, see all this talk about food, folks, and candy I'm, and jellies. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're killing and- me. You're killing me. Yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, so you mentioned that your team's kind of going, you know, looking at LinkedIn. Do you think that creators should look at LinkedIn as a place to at least stream their content to? Or should they focus on like if they're a YouTuber, stick with YouTube, mm-hmm. forget about LinkedIn? No, I definitely disagree. And I think the the where you go depends on where your people are. Who are you trying to reach with what specifically and what do they specifically need help with? And a lot of times the entrepreneur community needs help with a lot of stuff that they're now having to, you know, be introduced with even a year's time since last year. And, you know, having to start live streaming, they've had to figure out a lot in a small, a lot of a small amount of time. And that still can be super frustrating because in a year's time, they very well may still feel confused about a lot of elements. So I think there's a lot of benefit that a lot of uh, YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok creators can bring to the platform, not just about reposting literally the exact same stuff, but literally maybe altering the header. So really focusing on your copywriting at that point and understanding how can I better communicate with this audience here? I think it's really no different than if you did a TED talk around a specific thing and you're in a different audience and you're like, okay, now how can I tailor my message? same stuff but tailor it so in a way that is again digestible to them because it could be a roast but it might be a burnt roast that you're pushing (laughs) down their throat because it's in the wrong format so i think it's a lot to contribute there i just don't think you should go there for the sake of just being on another platform and trying to be everywhere if you're going to be someplace be there intentionally with the intent to help somebody do a specific thing so i think that's going to be huge so if you are bringing like your youtube content don't leave that YouTuber content stuff. Like hit the like button, hit the share, the, the, uh, leave a super chat. That stuff doesn't exist on LinkedIn. Mm. So if you're going to take yourself over there as a creator, understand the, who you're talking to and what do they need and what really need help with and how can you tailor uh, your message and really get some copywriting skills in there so that it's more digestible to them. Awesome. That's that's really good advice because LinkedIn has definitely invested a lot into native video, live video lately, but they mm-hmm. have their very much their own ecosystem over there, right. I will just say. For sure. So, yep. So I wanted to go into our next topic of live shopping and social selling. As we know, we are coming up to the, I call it the high shopping season. <laughs> and whatever it is that you celebrate, uh, mm-hmm. you're probably looking for gifts and retailers are looking to sell them to you. So some interesting stats I found as I was researching this is that live video sales are expected to almost double in the US this year to $11 billion and hit uh, $26 billion by 2023. So it's something that is definitely growing as we are going live to Amazon Live as we speak. Um, and according to Coresight Research, who did this, um, who is doing this, uh, in China, the market is already headed towards $300 billion. Now, of course, we've talked to our friend Stephanie Liu on the show in the past about live shopping. So that's something that's taken off definitely in Asia. And we're seeing, we're watching that over there to see what the trends are over here. Um, a lot of the social media platforms have already gotten on the ball with the shot with the live shopping. So Instagram looking to further its in-stream commerce push launched a 10 days of live shopping event at the beginning of September. Uh, li- TikTok has announced a new announced a new partnership with Spotify earlier in the year to expand their e-commerce offering. Um, I know I've seen a couple of live shopping events that they've done with Walmart and with Neiman Marcus over on TikTok. And then even brands are just they're not even waiting to get in on these deals. They're launching their own. So Beauty Counter partnered with Buy Now Pay Later app Clock. Klarna, Klarna, I think is what it's called for their live shopping series. So except for Shopify, a lot of these deals tend to be very exclusive with select partners. Awesome if that's you, but most people selling their products tend 
we, at least our audience tend to be small business owners or just getting started with live shopping or maybe not don't have the budget for these big splashy partnerships and campaigns, but I believe they can still use live video to sell their products. So talk to us about how to go about doing that. Absolutely. You got to think about the whole visual experience that you're giving someone. Most people think I just need to come on and say the right things. That has nothing to do like everybody go that you see your eyes are super sensitive and that triggers an emotion. It takes time for the words to process for you to actually get to a thing where you feel it. Not that you can't, but I'm just saying like if you see something without any words being said, like it triggers something for you mentally. And so understanding when you're doing live video content, I would say really think about with intentionality of what it is that you're sharing, showing and selling to do this. You have to think about the message that you're sharing with video content, imagery, points of very specific things that you need to zoom in on or already have pre-prepared content. So thinking about the B-roll, which is your secondary footage. So if I'm on screen, this is that A-roll that your first primary footage, the secondary footage, like if I'm talking about something and this is fine, if you don't own everything, you don't need to buy everything you're going to talk about. Or even if you're like an RV company, you don't need to literally be in the RV or outside of it to showcase it, but have very detailed pictures, not this Facebook marketplace stuff that has Vaseline over the camera lens photos, but literally a good, decent, clear picture for people to see. And if you're going to say, we have X, Y, and Z kind of tires. Maybe go out to your lot, take a photo of the tire tread so that they can actually see it. Little details like that make the huge difference. If you're using something like Ecamm, you can have whole videos prepared where you're able to give your uh, kind of like, you know, it's like when you would watch a movie and you have the director's cut. Okay, well, let's give that director's cut version of like when we first came out with this product, we weren't sure if it was really going to clean the pool. So here's that first installation. Here's the second one, the version three that's now available for the after Thanksgiving sales. This is what you're able to see. It could be a TikTok video of somebody else using your stuff and showing how great it is. And you're just giving that commentary across it. That kind of stuff sells the product even without you having to say all the different details. Nobody wants to hear a spec sheet, you know, all the little details and intricacies. They already researched it. That's why they're looking to buy it already. Cover that, but go in detail with the things that the buyer actually wants to see. What are things that people are, are talking about, but nobody's showing? So if you're sharing the message, what are you showing? And then you can go through and sell the product, make it very easy. Stop coming up with these long URL, www. I forgot what name I was going to use .com <laughs> type stuff. <laughs> like make it easy for me to buy like right. on my phone. I'm watching you on the computer or TV. Can I go to my phone? Put it maybe QR code reader because most cameras uh, and smartphones now, you don't need right. an app anymore. You just can hold it up to your thing and make it easy. So if you have, again, this director's cut commentary, you want to purchase QR code in the bottom. Here you go. Want a downloadable QR code right here so that they can buy or add to cart and keep watching. You just want to make it super painless for people to do business with you. I think those are some great strategies. One of the questions, I, and I'm interested that you said that you don't have to own everything. And so, mm -hmm. for example, I like I use, even though Owen made fun of my camera switching, I love the Stream Deck. I mean, I use that for everything. Okay. You see all the stuff that all the camera angles, everything we're doing is all tied to the Stream Deck. I have two of them. I have the small one. I have the big one. I love it. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for me to talk about things that I love when I'm doing this this live shopping or social selling. And, and we're over on Amazon and people are seeing that and they can click down on the carousel and buy this the elgato you know stream deck but mm -hmm. how how can explain a little deeper i guess on stuff that maybe you don't own is it stuff that you've had in the past or the stuff that you want how do you um integrate things that you're you don't actually have that you can hold up for the camera because you have creator content so if my buddy Doc Rock has something. Mm. I can be like, here is somebody that is in this. It's even better at that at that specific thing because I do not have the proper use case for every piece of gear that I may talk about. What I actually use is way more than what my customers, clients, and community actually purchases. They buy way more stuff than I do because I don't need all that. I'm a plain Jane and proud of it. I don't need that like seven different camera angles. Why? Do you want to see my feet up under the desk? I don't think so. So it's like, I'm not doing all of that. But if you have a vision for what you want and what your studio to look like, 
here's the gear that you need. And here's a prime example of somebody in your use case. And here's how they're using it. Again, a breakdown. It's the same reason why we love the History Channel. They weren't there doing the Mesopotamian. Like nobody was there. Like, <laughs> right. you know, but they can do a, a geological breakdown for how this worked or how this now whatever. We've never needed to have every little piece. So I think it's kind of financially irresponsible even to try to buy everything, but I can give you proper use case and educational knowledge around it. Dynamic microphones versus condenser microphones. There's a slew of them, but here's what you need in this specific use case. And here's an example of somebody that's not me. So it's not like me trying to sell you, but you make your own purchasing decision. Is this right for you or is it not? Or is there something else that I would recommend to you that you say, yeah, that looks like me. That sounds like me. And that is something that I want. I don't have the same tonality as most uh, women as far as the voice. Some have a much higher uh, tone of voice. Some have a much lower tone of voice. So it helps me. If I'm saying this is my microphone and this is what I use, but here's what I recommend if you have a higher pitch voice. Here's what I recommend if you have a lower pitch voice. And now you can decide and make an educated decision. So it, you have photos. And you can have video clips, which I love to do, and even have those audio sample clips and stuff like that as well, just segments. And you can pull it out. I always put like a watermark courtesy of or from right. such and such website or their URLs to make sure they always get credit, link in the description type stuff. But I don't need to own everything because I'm just looking for the proper use case for the right person. So you can see, is this going to fit your needs or not? That's all. Awesome. That is a great uh, thing. So I'm, dang, I, we get such good guests on here. The time flies. We're, we're getting, you know, short on time. So I want to move on to our next section uh, about live video because we, all of us here, love live video. Uh, and Grace, I know you had some some uh, some points that you wanted to talk about real quick because we all we all love it, and I don't want to skip it. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, live video is definitely here to say stay. And it's more and more the norm. But an entrepreneur magazine uh, published this article a few months ago, a few weeks ago, it gave three solid reasons why and that is the community, the connecting virtually, whether it's a virtual conference, like we're talking about, or just your day to day meetings. It's no longer the exception. It is table stakes and businesses need a video presence. They absolutely need a video presence. And then of course there is this demand for niche content. Like you're just talking about all the ways that you could sell products. My brain was just buzzing at all the different things you could do. And so as you're talking about each different product, I'm like, well, that's a niche, that's a specific need, that's a specific need. And you can serve all of those with live video. And I know that you are a video expert, especially on link on uh, YouTube, sorry. And so we want to wrap up our time with you focusing on that platform, which meets all three of those needs, which is community branding and education. So some quick YouTube stats are there are over 2 billion monthly active users over on YouTube. It's um, 122 million daily active users. And this is what got me 1 billion hours of video content uploaded <laughs> on that site a day. 1 billion hours, like a million lifetimes there, right? So I run our YouTube channel over at Restream and, you know, we've been at it for a while. I have a wonderful video producer. I have everything going for me and it still feels kind of overwhelming. Um, is YouTube too crowded for someone who is just, just getting started right now, who is watching? this and thinking like, oh, I should explore video. What do you think about what, what What would you have to say to them? I would say most people assume that YouTube is too crowded because you are stuck in your mind, comparing yourself to everybody else and what you do or do not do and feeling like you should do it. And now you have both sides of the coin and you're like, I'm not good enough. When in yeah. actuality, it's not about you know, it's really not about being the everything to everybody. I'm very comfortable with saying no, or I don't offer this. And here is where I do recommend somebody that even I enjoy watching that I think you get a lot of value if this is what you're looking for. Because now, instead of just finding one creator, you found two. Nobody drinks water once, literally. Nobody drinks water <laughs> once. And that's not because literally like our bodies need it, but it's the sense of saying that you go to a restaurant, not just more than once. You enjoy that experience multiple times. You enjoy certain kind of hamburgers, multiple times from different creators, fish, chicken, you name it, right? I'm sorry about the food. I, oh I must gosh, be hungry too. So. <laughs> but 
that is the thing to understand. It's like, so when you find a good creator, it's what are you going to get from that creator? What experience are they going to give you? It's not, you do not need to be everything to everybody, but you do need to be very important to a one specific type of person. Not that you won't attract others, but I'm specifically targeting a unique specific experience for a dedicated person. And I am a thousand percent comfortable with saying you do not belong here and you are not going to find value here for certain people, but you're welcome to stay. And that's to say, like, if you're a photographer or you get a cinematographer and you really want to go into filmmaking, I am not your girl. If you want, if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to figure out this video stuff and you're struggling to figure it out, I'm your girl. And I got some other folks along with you. Or if you do want to get into filmmaking, here's where I say, go to get that. And it's fine. They're like, okay, cool. Thanks for not wasting my time or like making me feel like I, like I was missing something or I should have been, should have been here. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just really letting them know you're in the right space. So YouTube is not crowded. Your mind more or less may be crowded with the idea ideals and ideologies around what you think you should do, but it's really not. You can serve a specific person with your unique message very, very well on YouTube, even today. Cool. I love that, Diana. I needed to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> so, My pleasure. You made gracious day. That was, was worth really her did. showing I up today. I think I'm going to cry now. <laughs> so, so I wanted to talk about before, you know, this, this show is sponsored by our good friends over at Ecamm and they are coming, they have this great, um, uh, Virtual summit that we've been talking about all all day today. It's the uh, Leap into Live Streaming Bootcamp. You can find it uh, over at uh, leapintolive.com. Make sure you go register. It's totally free. Uh, go check it out because Diana is speaking as a keynote there. It's next week, September thirteenth through sixteenth. Leap into Live. But I wanted to ask, you know, your yours is about how to keep up with the evolution of content creation. So I want you to talk about a little bit about your keynote and what people are if they they're interested in that, what they can get from your session. Now, I, I'm not going to say because I'm doing the keynote or one of the keynotes there that like you shouldn't miss it because it's me, but I'm not going to say that you should, you know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> yeah. definitely watch it's it. Good. But yeah. <laughs> I would say that the reason why this like topic is extremely important to literally every creator and every entrepreneur is because content creation is going to change and you're coming into this thinking you're going to find a comfort zone level. And I'm here to tell you, don't even think about it. And I want to explain to you why, but I also want to encourage you and give you some next steps when it comes to being able to keep up with these changes. Because the same way, like most people won't do a thing like get started on YouTube or they'll quit because of an assumption, not because of any empirical data. And I want you to know that like content is ever going to be changing, but that's going to be based on people. So your people need to be your focus, not the platform, because you can take your message anywhere and how that's happened uh, traditionally or across time, really. But really, for where we are right now and where things are going, things are going to change next year. It's going to be a whole nother different social media website platform, even though it may still be under YouTube.com, TikTok.com or Instagram.com or even LinkedIn.com. Those will still be the same. The culture in the communities and the way you can deliver your content will change. So it's really about solidifying your message and being able to adapt to any medium. So that's why like the evolution of content creation and like keeping up with all these platforms and stuff is not about chasing everybody's algorithm. Algorithms are based on people. And if you can get the hold of that, then you can survive any of these things. That's I think that's going to be extremely important because most people just want to get into comfort. And I really want people to embrace the discomfort of being able to switch platforms on the fly, but maintaining your core message and knowing that your audience is going to be there no matter where you go. That's awesome. I always tell my kids, nothing that's ever good that's happened to me has been easy. It's always stretching. Mm. It's always going to the next thing. Okay. It's getting on live. It's trying a new show. It's, you know, listening to Grace. It's all that stuff. So, that's I mean, so Grace has never steered me wrong. Yeah. So be <laughs> before we go, Diana, let us let people know, you know, the best place to find you, you know, what you have coming up other than Leap Into Live, uh, of course, but other places that you, they can download some of your guide and all that kind of stuff. For sure. You can find me and everything that I do at dinagladney.com. Um, and 
even on Instagram, you find me Diana, at Diana Gladney. Uh, if Twitter, if that's your jam, is just at Diana Gladney with a number two because I messed up the first one. But um, <laughs> <laughs> current things I have going on is just uh, a new course that we're launching. Uh, it'll actually be the week following uh, for Leap, which will be on the 20th of September, which is MasteringMicro.Live. Still take you to the website just for the landing page, but that's about taking entrepreneurs to understand what to do with that pillar content, your live stream content when you're done, or even your regular YouTube. YouTube videos so that again, when you go into social media content strategies, you really know how to execute and deliver this platform in a systematic approach that doesn't stress you or your team out. Even being able to produce upwards of 70 videos out of a piece of content is very, very easy when you understand like the what to do and the how to do's in a systematic way. Absolutely. And tell us about that uh, series that you launched recently. You were telling me about it before the show. Ah. and I definitely want to get the word out about it because it is so cool. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that is our being a creator series. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs get frustrated thinking they need to be everywhere, do everything. And how do I manage being into this content creation space? And I already run my company full time and maybe have a family and all these other demands on your time. And so the series is more of a behind the scenes vlog, documentary vlog style series where I actually take you in to see what my week looks like. What does it look like when I'm working with my team or even doing talks like this? Um, and just when things go right and also when things go wrong. And it's like, what are we changing and adapting to in real time keep up with stuff? And it's like, this happened, this went wrong, this failed. And here's the changes that we're making. Let's see next week how this pans out. So the Being a Creator series is that documentary vlog series uh, that we're doing. Uh, it's once a week. It's uh, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you. Awesome. I can't wait. I love it. Yeah. I love that. I love that whole concept. So, Grace, real quick, where can people find you and all the goodness that is Grace Stuffy? You can find me over at Restream. We have an incredible YouTube channel that I manage that uh, with a <laughs> bunch of content. Our friend Owen is on there. He does a weekly show on how businesses can use live video to uh, do everything from launch a product. And uh, he was doing a really cool series on different verticals, like how doctors and dentists use it, how musicians use it. So definitely go over and check that out. And we have a whole slew of content from a ton of brilliant video creators. And don't forget, this show is also on YouTube. Uh, it's also a podcast on Spotify, Apple, all the podcasty places you can find us. We would love for you guys to leave us an, uh, a rating and review. And as always, thank you so much for Ecamm sponsoring the show. And don't forget about their Leap Into Live. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. Thank all of you. Thank to all of you for all your great comments, all your support, sharing it out. I see Rhonda, I see Juan, I see all these people. Martin, thank you guys so much for showing up and spreading the love across the socials today. We really appreciate it. See you guys next time. Bye now. Social Media News Live.